Hey everyone, and welcome to another week, a podcast where a couple of friends turn on the mics, bring up some topics we picked out for the week, and chop it up. My name is Reddy. And I'm DJ. And we're two earthlings who identify as New York male podcasters with expert skills in sarcasm, humor, and talking shit. And this podcast will hit you with topics like movies, music, television, technology, funny shit, current events. And if you pay attention, we might even drop a life lesson somewhere. Always feel free to send us feedback, ideas, comments, criticism to anotherweekpodcast at gmail.com. So now that you know, and since knowing is half the battle, let's get right with it into another week. Yeah, that's right. What's happening, Reddy? How's it going? How was your week? Everything was good. Can't complain. Got a couple of interesting topics, a couple of, you know, shows to talk about. But everything was good. You know, it was, it was the weather was nice. Can't complain. Not too hot. Not not too cold. How's everything with you? Uh, it's all right. It was a crazy week for me. It went pretty quick. Um, you know, since we've been doing this, it, it's, you know, kind of funny paying attention to these wacky stories. Plus, on top of that, you know, having life get in the way. And then also football. I don't know if you're, you know, I, don't re- I really don't think you watch too much football, but it was a big weekend for me. Uh, I know a lot of people out there. Love love the football. I don't do college football, but uh, Sunday I'm all about you know watching Red Zone and chilling with football. So that hey. was you know that was my big thing for the week. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I, I I'm I'm not too too into football, but I do know you know I, I pay attention. I pay attention. Yeah, it was a good week. I mean, uh, you know, some fun games. I think the best game of the week happened on Monday night. It was the Saints game. Uh, it was real good. But as far as that, we won't get too much into sports. But, uh, you know, my week, as hectic as it was, I wanted to go nuts a little bit a couple times. But not as nuts as the guy in our first story we're going to talk about. So if anybody's ever been down to Wall Street in New York City in 1989, there was a bronze sculpture of a charging bull donated by a, a man in Italy and he put it down there and they, they've left it there ever since. It's kind of like an icon, I guess, like of a bull market. Yeah. And, uh, it's a, it's a giant statue, 7,100 pounds. Yeah, it's big. It's a, I would say the size of a, maybe a little larger than a real bull. You know, many people go down there, take photos with it. Uh, a couple of years ago, they put like a, a statue of a, a, a woman, a little girl staring at it. Like, I guess, uh, for women's uh, empowerment and stuff, I don't know exactly the right thing to say. So don't jump out at us on the socials and emails. You know, just that's what happened. But yeah, so this weekend and uh, this week, this was pretty wild. Uh, this guy takes out, it was actually Sunday, takes a banjo, a steel banjo. Yeah. And he just starts wailing on the bull, just <laughs> whacking the bull. And, you know, New York being New York, everybody whips out their phones and just starts recording it and taping it and pictures all on social media. And this guy gets locked up. He's from Dallas, Texas, is visiting and just had a, he, you know, he, a moment. He went, so he went straight Aerosmith. He, he went straight rock and roll at that closing of the concert and just started to break his banjo on it <laughs> yeah i mean it's a strange item 
to, to it, even be traveling with, let alone whacking yeah. whacking the bull with. But I don't the, know. The, if the thing that's that's so great about this, um, what I immediately noticed when you sent the article was the damage done to this bull. Now remember, we said it's seven thousand one hundred pounds. That's a pretty big, solid bull. I want to know what kind of banjo this is because I might have to add that to my music collection. I mean, we, we both like music. We dabble in music here and there, you know, make some beats. This I, I might need, you know, I might need a synth or something made out of that technology. It's like he had a vibranium banjo or something. And, and it, I, he kept hitting it. So, it was, you know, it wasn't breaking. Like you figure the first hit, this thing is smashed. But nah, this was a quality banjo. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to do some research on that. If anybody knows... Send us an email, uh, another week at gmail.com, another week podcast at gmail.com. Don't, don't forget, leave that that podcast in there. Absolutely. And the, once again, these if you if you get a chance to check this out, the gash is on this bull <laughs> from the banjo. It's official. He had he had anger issues, you know, maybe a bull, you know, maybe one of his families was a matador back in the day and they got taken out by a bull and this was his revenge. I don't know, but it was definitely excellent. Yeah. He's been uncooperative with the police. So like there's been no, uh, stories, but I'm thinking maybe he lost a lot in this, in the stock market, but either way makes me feel really good about my anger issues. Cause I, a, I don't even have a banjo that strong and B that's a lot of effort to go all the way there and, and whack that thing. Like, you know, just saying. <laughs> yeah, that's that's excellent. This next uh, this next great thing is almost uh, it's 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 not even as excellent. I mean, I guess it's pretty amazing. It's, yeah, it's like it's more of a, a incredible story. This was sent in from Gina, a good friend of the DVR Podcast Network, a good friend of our podcast. Now um, she sent us in this little tidbit here. And just uh, for everybody out there who likes The Handmaid's Tale, Gina has a great podcast called Resisting Gilead. It's on all the podcast feeds. It's just an excellent coverage of the story of the show. And she picks up from season three. So a little plug for Gina there. But uh, yeah, she sent us this article and it was a 73-year-old woman in India she could never have babies and she went to this woman uh, in 2018 and they decided to give her IVF treatment and she wound up getting pregnant. But the getting pregnant and having a baby part was pretty amazing at 73. But she didn't give birth to one baby. She gave birth to two girls. That's right. Two baby girls. Making up, making up for lost time right there. That's right. Her and her husband, who's 80 years old, they've been married since 1962. And one round of IVF treatment got them these twins. One round of IVF treatment made them parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents in one shot. Yeah, this is something else. Um, You know, I don't really know the logistics of, you know, where they'll be at during their milestones in life. But I mean, you could ask Alec Baldwin because I think he's in around the same boat. Um, but yeah, it's pretty wild. You know, uh, the, you know, we've come a long way, but science, you know, works in conjunction with the human body. So these things applied, you know, work together for them. 
So, you know, it's a fun little story. Um, nothing really funny about it. Just pretty wild that these people are, are this old and, uh, you know, wanted it this bad and finally got it. Well, that, that's awesome. That's a beautiful thing. You know, uh, can, uh, congratulations to her and her newborns and her husband. And uh, thank you, Gina, once again for, you know, sending that in. Um, that was a great article. You know, it's pretty uplifting. You know, it makes anything possible, especially, you know, for people who are trying to have children and they think that they can, this and that. Listen, it might take a little bit of time, but anything's possible. Don't give up. That's right. I mean, we fuck around all day on this podcast, but, you know, that's just, you know, legit. So if you're trying, good for you. Yeah, excellent, excellent. 73, you know, if you think that's right, you know, you'll be 93 when they're they're just about to turn twenty one, so perfect. Yeah, ninety four. Yeah. Well, unfortunately for uh for our next article, you know this couple they, you know, they probably can have kids, but I I don't know if uh according to this um wedding hall in Mississippi if they think that that's uh the Christian way. So wait. Uh, they, they, uh, just a couple? Was it uh, that have something to do with uh, LGBTQ, RLMNO, QRS, TMZ <laughs> stuff? No, no, this, uh, no, no, it's not a couple. It's a, it was a, it was a black male and a white female. They tried to get married. They so went wait, for a, so it was an interracial wedding. All right. So aside from my joke about the alphabet there, but like yeah. as Dave Chappelle says, it wasn't the alphabet people. So which is usually the case for all these stories. This was just a mixed race couple in 2019. This is a mixed race couple in 2019. As wow. if this is not a, a normal thing. So what happens to them because of these so-called oh. Christian beliefs in their town? So they go to um, an event hall in Northeastern Mississippi um, to apply for a wedding license. And long story short, what happens is the owner turns them away and says, quote, unquote, we don't do gay weddings or mixed race because of Christian beliefs. This wow. is what she says on camera. They have her recorded on camera. Now, of course, you know what what always happens after people on camera. What do they do? They immediately issue an apology. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're sorry because you got caught. You're not sorry because you're sorry. It wasn't even a church, though. It was just a hall. Yeah, this is just. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was just a hall. It was. Um, it was Boone's Camp Event Hall in Boonesville, Mississippi. In Boonville, Mississippi. First of all, just the name alone. Yeah, I'm you saying, know. <laughs> I, I'm wondering why, like, I you know, they're even living there. I, I mean, it might be circumstance, yeah. but like, I'm, I'm out of Boonesville. Just probably as soon as I can get like a driver's license. Yep, and um, and what she said was, we don't do gay weddings or mixed race weddings because of our Christian race. I mean, our Christian belief. That's a quote, the way I just said it. And then she said, the woman told Miss Welch in the video, if you watch the video, 
I don't want to argue with my faith. We just don't participate. This is this is what so she continues with this. Um, but they eventually, you know, as soon as the video went viral, they um, they issued an apology, which not just them, all of these companies that do these random acts of racism or just disrespect to other races, religions, um, people's sexual preferences, you, you get caught and then they immediately hop on Twitter or hop on whatever and you issue an apology. People need to start holding people accountable and it's not acceptable. You know it wasn't acceptable when you did it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, you you, you no, could have said anything in the world. You could have just said we're booked. That's it. No, you could have said we're booked. We don't. Um, we can't do. It. You could have came up with a thousand other excuses. You could have picked an argument with her and said, you know what, you're banned. I mean, I I don't know <laughs> if it's because we're here in New York or because, like, either it's just progressed with so many different people here or people just don't give a fuck about that kind of shit and they just want money because I think like if you were gonna have some kind of religious ceremony to celebrate your marriage to a horse there's hardly any catering halls that are gonna say no except for one that like might be on a possible close to violation like the health department or some shit like these if you got money they're taking it no matter what they don't give a shit what color what what planet you're from what you identify as you got green you pay like what's wrong with these people don't they understand like they're operating a business like your christian beliefs are are telling you that like the to not make a living it's it's bananas to me let, let me even tell you what's even more bizarre about this story Okay, they're able to do this because their government, their local government, allows it. In 2016, Mississippi passed a law that affords special protections to opponents of same-sex marriage, which the Supreme Court had ruled as constitutional, as it was a constitutional right the previous year. The law, I'm I'm reading a a quote from the New York Times. This is this is from the New York Times right here. So I I got to, you know, tag them in. The law shields individuals and organizations who act in ordinance with their since quote. This is a quote since sincerely held religious beliefs or moral convictions about marriage and gender from potential government actions. It allows them to make decisions according to those beliefs in hiring real estate wedding services, and foster care, among other situations, but it does not mention race or ethnicity, right? And, um, you know, the Human Rights Campaign, a nonprofit that supports LGBTQ, they called it the worst anti-LGBTQ state law in the U.S. It was blocked by a federal judge, but but it was upheld on appeal. That's crazy. That's insane. And like I said, once that's again, like this close was a, to Sharia law bullshit. Like that's unbelievable. Like not obviously not that extreme, but like that's like something like in that wheelhouse. Like that's fucking bizarre. This it, is that, crazy. This is what you're yeah. getting here on another week. This is shit that goes down on this planet in in this country. It like not it, even like 
I feel like you're reading a, a paper from like, you know, I don't know, a hundred years ago. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's it's insane, and uh, you know, it's it's a sad situation. But um, hopefully things change, not just for Boonville, but for all of Mississippi. You know, for people who are, because I'm pretty sure they're not the only person dealing with this. Yeah, you know, and it's easy in the only place. You know, she just caught him on camera. And it's easy, you know, joking around and say, oh, why are you living there? Just get out. But, like, I'm sure these people like yeah. where they live. Like, it's probably it, nice, it, like, it, atmosphere, it you know, uh, maybe not social atmosphere, but it's pretty. You know, maybe they live in, in, in the boonies in Boonesville. I don't it, know how it's And like. not for nothing. Why should I have to, why, one, why should I have to move? Because you want to be bigots. I shouldn't have to move. Well, I'm not saying and, have and, to move. I'm just saying, like, I would just right. want to move. Like, I no, would want to no. be around those people. Yeah, but, and also, you know, the average American can just pick up and just move and just leave everything behind. Like, this is where I grew up at, or this is where I live now. No, I know. My it's job not, is here, yeah. this and that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But, yeah, absolutely, it's, it's, uh, it's terrible. So, um, they, they get a kick in the butt for that. Yeah, <laughs> fuck, I, I'm, I'm out with that, that deep, south shit like I, I don't even know if i'd ever drive through there i might just like fly across if i had to travel through there it's crazy shout out to all yeah. the people going through the struggle down there because you're sticking it out and more power to you don't yes. put up with this bullshit get them cameras out all day every day Yes, oh, yes. Man. Oh, well, another camera shit. You got more camera shit, I know, because you sent me this, and I actually really got a kick out of this fucking article. This was another quote on camera incident. Tell them about it. Oh, man. This was great. It's from an Australian DJ. His name's DJ Flume. And um, he was performing at a show this last, year. Last week, he, at, it was at... Uh, Burning Man that took place last week, which is in the desert, um, down in uh, I don't know if it's Las Vegas or so, out in close to California, not Las Vegas, but Nevada somewhere. But it's somewhere in the desert region. Uh, I don't know if they move it or whatnot. I've never been. I've watched a bunch of documentaries about it. it happens every year. Uh, big DJs come out. He happened to be one of them. Yeah. Take over. Yeah. So, so you know. Oh yeah, no, no, excellent, excellent. And long story short, um. He, I don't even want to say he, he was doing the act, but so he his girlfriend, he got his girlfriend the actually posted this on her page. He's 27 years old. She's 31. Um, he was eating her ass but, at the concert in front of everybody. But wait, wait, wait. Her, it, he got dared by the crowd to, it's, they, they wrote a, someone wrote a sign out in the crowd. Do you eat ass? So his response was some purpled hair vixen that was in in the crowd. Well, that, that, that's his girlfriend. That no, his girlfriend took the video of him doing this. That was a a, a, a just someone in the crowd. And oh. he bent oh, okay. over the DJ booth in front of the crowd, and he just started. I, I thought that was his uh, okay. I thought that was his girlfriend that he was doing this on. I thought he was. Uh... No, it said it. It, it said uh, if you look again, it said uh, 
Let me see here, just to double check so I'm not wrong. I mean, not that fact checking's a big deal, but uh, yeah, I think this is um, her name was Paige Ellington, but um, her real name is Harley um, Stream, but she that's what she posted, and she was literally you see her booped over with her her mini skirt up and his face in her ass like um is like straight porno shit oh yes this is yes. crazy you're right i'm sorry i take it back uh yeah, yeah it was her i i read <laughs> misread that one but yeah it was her <laughs> yeah, because they they give her they give her stage name and then they give her real name so and then she it, says and then she says sorry mom as it's happening on the camera. Yeah, well, you know, that I don't understand that. That's kind of, that's insane. But I guess when you're living that life and uh, you don't have um, any, you know, I don't know. You don't, you don't uh, have anybody to answer to, you can do what you want. That's kind of insane, though. That's crazy. I mean, as as wacky as it is, it's it's funny and shit. But here's the problem, all right? So... This, and he, this, he did this in front of ninety thousand people. No, well, the, the, no, it was or, right. or, or seventy thousand. Seventy thousand. This this chick has ninety thousand Instagram followers, right? So he's she's trying to boost her career off of him, and it's a big publicity thing to get on there. But what's kind of really fucked up is that it puts like the principles of Burning Man like completely out of whack because Burning Man is so not about cameras and not about bringing what happens there out it's all about this like free spirit gathering this vibe of of, like coming together as one and building this effigy and then burning it and living out in the desert for three days and and it's like nine days well right some you know right most people some people only go out for a few right they have a whole nine day thing but yeah it's crazy um, the big days I know are, are usually like three, three days, but so I don't know if you've ever looked at pictures or watched videos of Burning Man, but it's straight, dirty, filthy, disgusting. Now, not only who knows how long they were out there. I mean, maybe he's so popular that he could just get flown in and dropped in and play and go. But regardless, like it's a disgusting, dirty environment, like filled everybody i've ever seen is covered in dust and this guy's out here eating ass while he's djing like i don't know in front of the whole crowd this to me like is is as corny as it can get it's funny as shit but it's really corny like like you just like i don't know you just became a cornball like or not you know he'll probably become huge with all these uh you know young young fans and shit but I don't think he'll ever be invited back to Burning Man. Uh, well, it's not only that. Well, what about when you um you grow up, you know, and you want to have a family, you want to have a kid, and then, um, you know, your kid goes to school, and they're like, "Oh, well, I saw your dad doing this to your mom." You know, kids don't care; they have no filter. You don't want to. You, I don't care how funny he thinks it is, or whatever, or whatever. Hold on one second. I just want to. Nope. I just want to write this down. Okay. Number 76. Don't let them see 
you eating ass videos. All right, cool. <laughs> I have a list of reasons why I don't want to have kids. So like that's number 76. Perfect. Thank you. There you go. All right. You know, we talk about a lot of funny stories and, you know, joke around a lot. But um, I think we need to get back to the media a little bit more. You know, we touched up on topics like Spider-Man in the first podcast. Um, I'm not sure what entertainment things we talked about in the second one, if we did or not. But um, we definitely need to talk about something that's going on in the entertainment world now with this new great show that is um, it means a lot to both of us, to Ready and DJ and to a lot in the hip hop community and even further than the hip hop community, because this group has touched so many lives worldwide literally worldwide from United States to Japan. They have a huge following Europe. They have a huge following. Um, there's so many original members. Then there's extended members. And I'm talking about the wonderful, wonderful Wu-Tang clan and their new show produced by them, produced by the RZA written by the RZA and Wu-Tang and American Saga. Oh, yeah, again and again. That's right, Wu-Tang and American Saga. Oh, man, this is was something that when we heard was coming out, we were talking about like crazy, like, oh, this is going to be cool. You know, like, you know, Riz is at the helm with uh, Alex Teese, and they co-wrote most of it. And, man, this was highly anticipated. I was had the calendar marked. And uh, like Reddy said, we've been, you know, grew up tremendous Wu heads. We've discussed Wu at so many levels that, you know, and listened to so many tracks together, just picking out things. And every time you hear a Wu track, no matter what Wu track it is, you're finding out something new and you're, you're picking up something you didn't hear before. And this show kind of complements their music. And it just outstanding so far four episodes are out they launched the first three at once on hulu uh and they're, they're launching every episode on wednesday uh throughout pretty much the end of october i think there's gonna be 10 episodes they might they might couple two together I'm not really sure they didn't give a date exactly but it's on now on hulu um yeah i mean before i get i, I you know i have a i had my quick uh what do you call it? My, my quick review, my quick initial reaction to the first episode. And uh, I don't know, Ready? before I give that, you want to you say anything before we start this? Um, I think that the show is, it's a great, um, I would call it like uh, hip hop, um, almost like Beyonce's um, Carmen, I think it was, but it's a great hip hop it, it, regarding the Wu-Tang Clan. The episodes are named after Wu-Tang songs um, that stem from their first album on. Um, we have some great actors in it who play the, the you know, play the roles very well. Um, there was definitely great casting by the RZA and whoever else does the casting on the show. And I... It, it, it's good. It's 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 a it's a good series. And let's let's be clear. This is a it's a drama series. It's not a hundred percent 
real. It's it's made for ratings. If you want a Wu Tang documentary, they released a documentary on Showtime um, about two months ago, or maybe even a little bit longer than that, three four months ago. So, but this is a good show that goes that shows the Wu Tang before they were the Wu Tang. Their now, their outcome now their, their upbringing right. And and before we get a little deeper, I want to just start off like. When I saw episode one, I was starting to get a little nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm watching it and I'm like, is this like BET or like, like Hallmark channel quality? Like, come on, this isn't, this isn't what I'm expecting on cable or a, a streaming service. And I'm like, I'm a little nervous at first. And then it kicks into gear. Like Reddy just mentioned, the episodes are named after songs. And, you know, you, you could f- catch that from the, the you know, if you're a Wu-Tang fan right away, the episode one, can it be all so simple? Obviously, is a track from the, their first album and kind of, you know, seems like can it all be so simple? And you see all this wild stuff happening in their neighborhood. And I started getting into it. And by the end of the episode, I'm, you know, I... I don't know if I was a Wu-Tang, if I wasn't a Wu-Tang fan, if I'd want to keep going because I don't know if it gave me enough. Uh, but when you hit sec- the ex second episode, you realize this is the Riz's shit. Like you realize that there's cartoon scenes and there's not a lot. It's not like a whole big thing, but it's like draped in there and you start to realize this isn't a biop biopic or biopic i'm not sure what they call it these days but yeah it's not a full-on biopic like it's not like uh you know many uh many sorry i was gonna say uh straight out of compton uh it's not like uh all eyes on me it's not like uh you know notorious it's it's more of like like ready said a dramatization so you're gonna see some embellishments some things that maybe make it make this story a better a story. Yeah, right. Because you could tell it as, as a linear uh, history, but there's probably a lot of downtime in there that, that wasn't entertaining. So this kind of spools it together. And I think real nicely. And I, if anybody wants to give it a shot before we get going into the rest of our, our, uh, you know, breakdown here, I would say go through at least episode two. That's, that's where, where it starts really getting good. Absolutely. It's uh it, it's great. So what um talking about, you know, some of the characters, like who is a standout character for you? What you know, what what do you like? All right, well, right off the bat, we got Bobby Diggs Riz's character. So well, let's just say no you don't find out there's no RZA, there's no Jizza, there's no Old Dirty Bastard by name. There's no Ghostface by name. There's no Raekwon by name. There's no Inspector Deck by name. There's no Method Man. They have the names they were called in the street then or their That's their, right. their government names. There was before maybe, you know, they even got their 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 converted names. Like so you'll we're gonna see that path. But it's a little hard to follow at first. That I will if you're not, say if you're not a Wu Tang fan. Right. So follow the characters is still a good story. So right off the bat, you know, when you say characters, Riz's character, Bobby Diggs, is cool. Like he's not a flashy, cool guy. He's just like kind of like that that geeky guy behind the scenes 
who kind of Rizzo was. So he didn't, I guess, cast himself to be a showy guy. He, he was a little more humble, you know, like a, a cute little little dude down in the basement. But he was in, like really, really like cool in the first couple episodes. And then uh, you know, I'll let you go in a sec. But as we progress three and four, he really starts to impress me a lot. And, and, and you know, he is the focal center, but I don't think he's meant to be the star. And I will point out some other stars that shine, but yeah, I like RZA right off the bat. He starts Bobby. Bobby's real good. Bobby's Bobby is is excellent, and um, the thing that I like about Bobby is he doesn't try to portray something that he's not. He goes and he he says, you know, I'm not from the projects. I had a house that was in between the two projects. You know, he had a regular, he had a, a home. He wasn't in a project building in an apartment. Well, even, so he had, you mm-hmm. know, uh, just for anybody who doesn't really know Staten Island that well, because, you know, essentially before Wu-Tang came around, no one knew about Staten Island, like even New Yorkers, like no one, but if not, but there's, you know, I got some people out there. Like if you know Staten Island, it's mostly housing. There's not a lot of project housing out there. And if, if, what what would be considered like the the or there is a lot of project it, housing. Well, it's more like a, like a row row style. It's not as it's not huge like like what would be out in Brooklyn or Queens. It's it's right. a little different. Um, so it's a lot more suburbs. So like where RZA was 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 at was kind of in the middle, and he was like in in his like a house, a two two you know a fam- regular two family house, just like in the middle of the neighborhood. He had you know had a basement yeah. with his studio, so that was kind of crucial i think for the story being in the middle no, it was crucial it was and what uh, and another thing that i like about bobby's character is you know for everybody for young people who want to get into music or want to do anything anything artistic anything that you know traditionally your parents might be against he never stopped he kept doing it. And, and I'm not going to lie, you know, like there's a lot of things I wish that I never stopped doing. You know, there's a lot of things that I and there's things that, you know, I put on pause and I do, you know, I, I used to do music a lot more than I do now. I still I still do it here and there, but he never stopped. That was his goal. And he had a goal. No matter what hardships he had, he still made time for that. You know, when his friend, you know, I'm not going to get too deep into it, but like when one of the members came around, was like, oh, you know, I just got this new Mercedes. Let's drive around in it. He was like, nah, I'm here. You know, I'm going to do this music. And he stayed there by himself doing his music. And that's just a good inspiration for anybody. But so he was also, you know, like they portrayed it. To, to see like he he thinks in music like it, it, it was consuming it's, it's all consuming his mind so while he's got to operate on the street he even has a hard time with that because of you know being so focused on music like you know to make money on the street the way Wu-Tang had to was not legal so they had crews and he had to be down his brother was the leader of, of the crew out you know by him and the Stapleton crew. Absolutely. Yeah, he was. So what else, um besides Bobby, um 
I like Old Dirty. I like Old Dirty's character because um, it's so. I, I feel that the the character is so authentic, and um, you know he he plays him well, which is such an unorthodox character. The way his style is is just unorthodox in in real life. Well, but before you you start you finish, let, uh, I before you continue rather i want to just say to everybody we were talking about this role um off air and it 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 was so good we thought it was old dirty son because he's done some music videos and he's been out there and we were looking it up and it was actually this this actor uh tj adams and through reading this stuff about it um we found out that he actually studied not only old dirty's videos and things like that, but his son. And, and it's kind of, you know, cool that to, to know that like Rizzo originally yeah. wanted to cast his son, but his son wasn't ready to be an actor. And this guy was, but he stepped up and learned. And I feel, you know, just like you're saying, it, it comes through. And, and that goes to show you how good the casting was. When I said in the beginning of this, conversation that the casting was picked so good the rizza the the jizza aka the genius and old dirty bastard they're related out of the members they're actually related now the whole woo is a family if you pay attention to this and pay attention to everything they all grew up together and have connections to each other every once in a while um not every once in a while some way somehow they have connections to each other so it's not like a made-up band. There's a lot of made-up bands that people don't know that were actually made up. And I'm talking about bands that were big, like hip-hop groups. But they're actually related. They're all cousins. And for him to bypass his cousin's son for the role of his father, and it was like, no, that just goes to show you they were on their job. Because anybody else would have just been like, you you got the part. You look like him. You act like him already. You know him the best. You were, you were with him the day he died, before he died, in the studio with him. So why would you not pick him? But, okay, so T.J. Adams, great actor. He plays the role so great. The, his his mannerisms, the besides the way he looks just his mannerisms, the way he acts, the way he speaks, he brings that old dirty humor humor. Um, he brings that old dirty flow in. Great actor. Yeah. Playing the part. Uh, he he's top notch. Um, I mean they they're all good. Now, you don't see everybody so far up to up to this uh fourth episode. You only get, you know, a tidbit. You get a little bit of Jizza. Um, now he's good. We don't know too much about him, but when he comes in, he comes in usually very calm and like to maybe like say what up. Now he's you know from Brooklyn. He was in it was in a Staten Island cat, but he would come through and visit. And there was a couple scenes. There was a rap battle. He comes through, and there was a couple other things. But whenever he came through, it was always introducing that that little tidbit of knowledge itself. Now, if you know, you know, Wu-Tang, uh, this is a little spoiler, but not too big, you know, too big, obviously. Um, they they rap about a, of their journey into becoming a five percenter. And, and, and 
you know, a lot of their rhymes, especially in the, the first album, has a lot to tell you introduction about how that course corrected them. So you see Jizza sprinkling it in. Now you also see um, a preacher in every episode spitting the knowledge. Now you see, might see it when, when someone's walking by on the street real quick, but it's there. It's prevalent. And, you know, you could finally start seeing as the, you know, it's up until the, you know, where we're at now, uh, RZA finally starting to get a taste of it and understanding. So I think it's going to help focus them all, um, you know, because right now where we're at, you know, we're, we're hardly seeing any hip hop right now. Right now we're seeing how they're developing as youth, how they're getting together, how their, you know, bonds are being filled. Now, when we say bonds, let's talk about two guys real quick that we couldn't believe this, you know, we knew that there was beef and we knew that things had happened from listening to the music, but seeing this on screen in, in the first, maybe second scene of the whole series is two guys who went to make one of the best hip hop albums of all time. Uh, some revere it as known as the purple tape, you know, Raekwon's album featuring Ghostface. They they went down to Barbados and finished it in Miami. And, and these are two guys that worked together so hardcore to find out that they were rivals in the first episode was mind blowing. And, you know, it's to me, that was like, wow, to, to start here and then to, you know, as a fan, knowing where we're going to end up and we're going to get to see this. To me, that's enough to want to watch. Yes, absolutely. I, I, um, me, me being a Wu Tang head, I actually knew that they had some kind of beef before. Now, this is where I'm talking about the show does have drama written into it because maybe the beef was that serious. I don't know. I'm not a member of the Wu Tang Clan. I don't know any of them. I love their music. I support them. Um, but. If you I don't, I real, don't, I real don't quick, know if, real quick, if anybody out there knows the Wu or if the Wu's listening, you want to come on and, and tell us inside shit, we're in. So hit us up yeah. another week podcast at gmail.com. All right. Yes, continue. please let, let us know if it's 100% true because long story short, what happens is um, they don't tell us the prior beef, but Raekwon shoots up Ghostface's house while he's in it and his brothers are in it. His, um, he actually, Ghostface actually has two brothers who have a muscular disorder in real life. So that's who the two brothers are being portrayed as in the show. So I don't know if in real life, because that's something you almost don't come back from. Like, I don't care. That's just me personally. Yeah, I don't, you know. You, you know, no so matter. I don't know. Maybe they had a beef and there wasn't actually a shooting involved in it. Because or maybe, maybe it wasn't. Nobody got hit. There's, I know there's people who shoot at other people. And as long as nobody actually got hit by a bullet. They eventually get over it. But so maybe D- Divine did. God, they did. Divine did tell him to pull back on a retaliation. So maybe it was some validity to that, or it helped show us the the power that Divine had to, to, to calm his crew. Um, but yeah, so just knowing right off the bat that these two guys had beef, and that we're still not at a you know through four episodes, they're not even near anywhere have spoken to each other. So it's wild. It, it's wild. And just a real quick plug right now. Okay. 
Um, Ghostface just released a new album. Yes, they still release new music. Okay, all of them. Inspector Deck actually just released a new album also. Um, I'm talking about within the past month. Both of them, okay? There's 91 Wu albums between the original members. That's not even affiliates. But the new Ghostface album is called Ghostface Killers. Check it out, everybody. It's it's awesome if you're a Wu-Tang fan. And I'm serious. I'm not just saying that as a Wu-Tang fan. Because if it's trash, I ain't going to lie, out of those 91 albums, some of them is trash. This album is the truth. It's good. It's great. But yes, back onto the show. Back onto um, we have uh, Dave East playing Shotgun, aka Method Man. Yeah, we get With- to see we get to see him. He's pretty much one of the first people that we see lay down a track. Right, you know? and and you get to see how um, and it's the, a the track t- that's not going to be used as part you know until Method Man's album comes out. So we could we're starting to see how. All, these guys have been crafting their shit for so long and, and how much they've been banking their shit. Yeah, and, and it just goes to show you also for all the um, inspiring music people out there, no matter the genre, just because you're, you are your biggest critic and just because it's not hot to you does not mean it's not hot to somebody else. And... The, the, I, I know for a fact the song Method Man, M-E-T-H-O-D, man, I think they made that song, if I'm not mistaken, five years before it came out. So, and that's not even the song we're even talking about right now. Yeah, because he does the Tikal in that. In that. Yeah, he, he does um uh Bring the Pain. That's I right, think. Bring the Pain from Tikal. He does, he does Bring the Pain right, from Tikal. Bring Tikau. the Pain, yeah, yes. But yeah. Crazy video with them dancing in the bus and the lights, strobe lights. Oh, uh, I remember that video back in the day. So good. Sorry, just had a moment right there. Yeah, but <laughs> you know what? Like, so we're seeing these guys get together. They're in different sets, and you know, it it's wild to see the the steps. Now we were talking about the equipment, you know, because we're we're both equipment heads and junkies that that we like gear and all this stuff, but. We got to see RZA go scope out the SP-1200, the most revered sampler ever in hip-hop. And you see him at Sam Ash checking this thing out, and you just, oh, it's like awe-inspiring. Because as a, you know, somewhat uh, music producer, I can't really give myself the full credit, but yeah, I like to produce here and there. But... um, it's, you know, you, you got giddy because, you you know, how many times you've gone into the store and you want a piece. But what does RZA do? I mean, this one we could we could tell. Like, what does he do? You know, this is a little bit of a spoiler. It's not going to ruin the story. But, like, how hard up is he to get this piece? Cost, Listen. He, how much does it cost at that time? It, it cost $2,000 at that time. In thousand For anybody who's a, a, a music producer, what DJ is trying to tell you, let me tell you, for you for you new producers, that's equivalent to you walking into the store today in 2019 and seeing the brand new MPC. Okay, it's, but it's or, more it's more it, it's more it, uh, it's more uh, break, more of a breakthrough machine. It's it's like it was like when they discovered the 808. 
Right. And I'm just saying to, to a, a new producer who's younger and they're new to it and they don't really know music equipment or they just know stuff that is their equivalent. Oh, you know, yeah. they, they would look at it in their eyes like, I want that machine right there. I want that sampler. You know, that's the truth. That's what the SP 1200 was. It was like you get no skips, you know, and you get when, you, you get more time to sample. You could, yeah. it, it, it was just, I mean, we could do a podcast just talking about that machine and how amazing it is for workflow. And, you know, now the workflow we have, it, it, it blows that out of the water. But then it took yeah. primitive and made it like you, they just put the wheel up, wheel and yeah. fire. That's like yeah. the, the caveman having wheel and fire the same day. Yeah. And so back to it, he wanted this machine so bad that. He tried to steal it. And not only did he try to steal it, he tried to steal it from a store that he, he's known. They know who he is. He's in there all the time. And, you know, he has a, a, a pretty, he has a decent setup for that time. You know, already in his basement. But that's how much he had wanted that. And he, uh, he tries to steal it. doesn't really work out too well. No, but... If anybody's you know into into music gear, it, it, you kind of have a guy when you go to the music place, like who will, you you know has the knowledge of the stuff. Um, a, a music store is like I'd like to say one of the last types of stores you can go into where a salesperson will know exactly what you're talking about. Like you can't even do that at a car dealership these days. You know you know more information from the internet about a car than a dealer will. But when you go into a music shop, you know, especially electronic gear, the the right dude knows or woman, you know, do that knows their shit. So he had like that rapport, and the guy goes, you know, you could see like, listen, Bobby, just put it back. I'm not gonna say anything to the manager. Just do it now, and he, you know, like you could tell, and and you could see the the hunger, and, and that's what makes this show so good. And you know, we could go on and on and on, you know, but it just the hunger. And, yeah. you know, is, is really what what really drives RZA. Now, the yeah. hunger in the streets is what drives everybody else. And it's not till, you know, I don't even know it's at, if it's at episode four yet that it's, they start coming together. But you start seeing pieces being brought together. Yeah, and they also show um, some other characters, some other Wu affiliates. They um, show Capadonna, who's, he's like the the next Wu-Tang member that's not part of the original crew. He's right there. He still does albums. He still does albums with them. He does. He, um, he would have been there except he was away on vacation. Yeah. He was on, he was away in college. You know, that's, that's what we tell our children in the hood when, <laughs> when their brothers or fathers or, or uncles are going, where well, they're in college. No, that means they're in jail. So <laughs> that's where he was. But he, um, and he's all over the new Ghost Ace album I was just telling you about. He's actually on the Inspector Deck album also. So they still all rock together. They so, still all rock together. So yeah, they <laughs> give they give him a little character development. Yeah. Now the Which show's I, good. So I mean we could go on and on, but I don't wanna, you know, beat it to a dead horse. But let's talk about your favorite character. I'm gonna talk about my favorite character and we'll move along and uh hopefully we'll 
revisit this with a few episodes. We'll do like another chunk, maybe three or four episodes, and we'll revisit it and uh, talk more about Wu, especially if you guys and gals or whatever you want to call yourselves, um, you know, uh, we don't put, you know, any judgment if you're a they, he, she, we, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, if you guys want to contribute and tell us, yo, we'd love that Wu talk, this and that, you got something to add, add it because, we'll, you know, we'd like to do another chunk. But, you know, like I said, it, 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 it's such a, it's a good show. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll round off with, uh, I don't know, who, who you liking the best? Who's your favorite character? Uh, well, you know, I already discussed ODB. I think another great character is Ghostface. It shows his many emotions that you hear through his music. It shows, if you listen to a lot of Ghostface's music, which I do because Ghostface is, he, he talks that gangster talk, but he also talks that lady talk. Yeah, it's you know absolutely. That's that's they all have their own and, their own thing bringing to the table, and, and he has that smooth shit. And you and, know, like like before you said, I I think that he should be considered the lead character. Uh, you know, Bobby is, but I think he's the lead character so far. Right. Well, he, I'm telling you, his character is dope, and it shows all those emotions. It's funny. On their new, on his new album, it's um, he has a song. It's almost the 2019 version of Ice Cream. It's called Waffles and Ice Cream, and Ice Cream was one of the biggest songs. Oh, so good! Back in the 90s, and um, it's Ghostface and Capadonna on it, who was on the original Ice Cream song. Method Man's just not singing the chorus how he was on the original. I think it was Method Man singing the chorus on the original one, but um. And he says, Capadonna, and it says, I'm, I forgot the exact line, but he's like, I'm from the era of, you know, of whining and dining women or like, you know, telling them sweet nothing, something like that. But, and that just shows Ghostface's character in it. Ghostface is the romantic one. He's the emotional one. He's the gangster one. He's the hard headed one. He don't care. He's going to do what he wants to do. We see it in this whole thing. I mean, right off the bat, we saw he's taking care of his brothers and, and his moms. And, you know, if you know Iron Man, you ever listen to Motherless Child, like that's boom. The whole shit is laid out right there. So you see that whole saga he's got to deal with. Then his shit gets shot up. And then you see him, you know, being true to his his squad leader which is Riz's brother Divine like in the Stapleton crew you see him stay true with Rizza, like still holding everything down and you see him falling in love and there's a whole lot of shit that we know about Ghostface from his music that's just so there yep and what I what also I must say is for all the Wu-Tang fans, especially if you didn't see it, what's so dope about this show, how I also said it's like a uh, like an opera or hip-hop Um Throughout the show, when you, you see them rhyming and stuff, they're saying a lot of rhymes that are in their songs. Even if you don't think you listen to a lot of Wu, when you watch this show, you'll be like, I heard that. I know that. I know that. They go into, and they don't do it in a cheesy way. It's not like a cut scene where somebody's like, Wu-Tang what? All up in your gut. You know, it's, it's not something cheesy like that. It makes perfect sense the way that they do it. The script is ro- written excellent. 
Well, I mean, even with the episode two, Winter Wars, which is huge yes. ghost face, like, yes. like, like whole talking about the whole time frame of when shit got heavy. And, and that, that was the episode two, and which makes it like, you know, so it, much more start to understand, like you said, a hip hopper. Like it's, it's like they're telling the story through the music, through their lives. Like it's almost reverse. They're almost reverse engineering the music because they lived it. Right. Then they wrote their music about it, but now they got to re deconstruct it to, to tell it on screen. And, so, and just in winter wars, what Capadonna says, I got you like a blunt, got you like a blunt and reconstruct your design. I'm telling you, I've been telling DJ for a while. That's my favorite hip hop verse. In hip hop history, there's a lot of great verses. It's easily debatable. Um, that's my favorite verse in hip hop history. I'm not going to get too deep into it, but what I thought was so dope about the Winter Wars episode of Wu Tang and American Saga was when you see Capadonna in jail and he spits a part of the rhyme from Winter Wars. Now, I'm telling you, I if I had one question, I would want to ask him like. Dude, was that like a? I want to know if that was a legit scene. Like, I want to know if you actually wrote that then and you spit that scene in there. Because he's actually rhyming against um, the Stapleton crew in there. He's he's talking trash. You know, Capitan is from Park Hill. But um, I just thought it was amazing. I'm not going to get too deep into it. I thought that was amazing to me personally. When I, my, my eyes glue, I, I became. You know, pause. I became a Wu Tang. Uh, I be, I became a groupie right then. Pause. I got to say pause. I'm All saying, right, let's get back to it. <laughs> yeah, nah. This this shit is off the hook. I, and I just want to say, like, I got my favorite character. It, it's it's Raekwon. Now you don't. We don't learn a lot about Raekwon, but the little that we see is just so intriguing to me i love like see raekwon always that that had that shift you know he had that 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 rhyme about the, the gutter like that that you know that come up and and you see it and you see the come up but you also see his feelings a lot but you don't see him a lot and you see the respect he comes through and spits it's crazy rhyme and then, like, you never – he doesn't want to do it no more. And then you're like, wow, what the fuck? They have this big battle, you know, that happens, and he's not even a part of it. And you just see him work in the street, work in the street. And that's – that was his grind. And it took – you know, you see how much it's going to take. So, like, I loved following the Raekwon character. I thought, like, the portrayal of, of like, the way he looked, like, that's Ray to, like, the team. And – in um, his his name in the show is the chef, which if you're a Wu Tang fan, you know his his name is Raekwon the chef. Um, and so, they show him uh, chefing up, and the guy's yeah. even talking about, oh yeah, no one knows how to cook like you. Uh huh. And that's you know, that's what uh, Raekwon is. He, we we're not talking about we're talking about bacon pies, but we're not talking about apple pies. You know, so. If you know, you know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, moving, you know. Moving at Perico. You know what I mean, man? But yeah, you, you know see, I mean? you're going to see, like, you know, him 
trying to, you know, like make that, that inner struggle, like, all right, am I going to give this shit up? Cause he starts getting the juice and you know, you start seeing him rising on the street. So there's going to be some kind of breaking point. It's going to come to a head and I- I'm looking forward to it. So, um, they got to get together cause we know they do form like Voltron and bring us the 36 chambers eventually. But I mean, I don't even know if we'll get to that in this so in this uh series you know if there's 10 episodes i hope so but uh i like what i you know whatever we can get because if if we don't i'm just thinking there's room for a second season yeah absolutely well you have to realize like i said there's 91 current and i could be wrong on my number Might be i know 92 there's no less now than... with the with the new one with the new yeah. ghost face yeah, it's something like that. That I'm, I'm talking about the original. What is it, nine members, something like that. Um, there's music for, for days, so they can make this series go on and on. They can go up until you know, easily go up at least until Wu Tang Forever, their second studio album. You know what I mean? Because you have to realize after your first album, they they were still broke. There was, you were splitting how much money between how many members, you know, don't get me wrong. They were touring and this now I'm not saying they were broke, like dead, dead, dead broke. I don't know. Cause I'm not in anybody's pockets, but especially m- most hip hop artists back in the late eighties, early nineties, didn't have great record deals. They didn't know any better. No, I mean, okay. the music industry has been shady since it started. So. Right, so they, where I'm going with that is they could easily, at, at a minimum, go up there. But this is one of those. This is a group. Like I said, their legacy is so big, they could have spinoff shows. Let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> you you could have spinoff shows. You know, you could you could have. Shoot, they could just make it a movie. You uh, know, uh, you're giving away too much, too many ideas that we could probably get paid on. Yeah, let's get paid on that stuff. So Wu Tang and American Saga. On Hula, everybody check it out. I think it's worth watching. Um, Hell yeah. I, I, I got two woos up on this one. So Yeah, get on that Wulu. Wulu Network, baby. <laughs> Wu-Tang and American Saga. All right, so this next story, you know, it's just another hilarious tidbit from around the world. People got good senses of humor. and Check it out. Reddy sent me this, and again, I had to laugh. And people being silly and, and fun and not in a stupid way. Tell, tell them, Reddy, what happened. Well, um, this this was a, uh, it was a great idea. And it reminded me of one of my um, favorite movies. Yes, I did say it's one of my favorite movies. Um, it reminded me of a movie that came out, I think, about a year or two ago. It was called Tag. Okay, and it was about grown men who had a everlasting game of tag from when they were like in high school and they're now like in their fifties, fifties <laughs> or sixties. Anyway, Ikea in um, Scotland, Glasgow, Scotland, there were going to, people were setting up a hide and seek game with 3000 people. <laughs> Which they advertised over social media. Ikea didn't advertise this. The people did. Now, let me tell you. Did it get through 
It didn't get to go through. It got shut down because the police, somebody tipped off the police, and they had five police that were stationed there all day long. <laughs> but just the fact that you would set up a hide-and-seek game of 3,000 people, it is too awesome. And there's like a zillion places to hide in Ikea. I know because I used to work at Ikea. All the furniture that you all love and stuff, I used to stock that out and do that. There's a million places to hide in Ikea. That would have been so awesome. It's like a giant dollhouse. It's, I mean, it really and, is. And with unlimited rooms. Uh, who, who would have been, been the one to seek? Yeah, and, and you have to realize, the average Ikea store is 300,000 square feet. And the largest Ikea store is 700,000 square feet. So what makes this store even better, this is not new. What? It might be new in the United States. You never heard of this. It hasn't happened in the United States. But this is not new. It actually started becoming popular in 2014. But it got banned later on. Why? So they they pulled this off somewhere? There have been multiple, yes, there have been multiple giant games of hide-and-seek and and Ikeas throughout the years. That's fantastic. So that's how they knew it was real, to send the police there. Because think about it, if you're in a regular store, you're not going to think, okay, they're going to have 3,000 people show up and play hide-and-go-seek. You know, (laughs) maybe maybe 10 people will show up. And it'd be some stupid. I'll get my regular security guards on payroll to kick him out. Yeah, that's awesome. But this is this is a known occurrence. It, it started in Belgium in 2014. All right, listen. There's an IKEA in Brooklyn, New mm-hmm. York. If anybody wants to do this shit, email us anotherweekpodcast at gmail dot com because I'm down. That's that, <laughs> you know I might be near the little. Mini meatball spot, but don't look for me there. <laughs> and and one one more tidbit about the story. What was so awesome about it, and this is what I talk about, like when people take stuff too far and mess stuff up and, be, and are and are stupid and ruin a good thing. Tell okay? cops, basically. Okay, no, IKEA allowed this for a couple of years. They didn't organize it, but they allowed it. And of course, um, it got out of hand in Sweden one year, and. Ikea was forced to ban the events because people just don't have that fun. They have to, they were probably, I, I don't know what, what the occurred, but I can definitely assume they were breaking up stuff, probably pushing, you know, real, uh, real shoppers who's spending real money, not just playing hide and go seek around and getting in their way and doing silly nonsense when come on, that, that, that's awesome. And they're, they're allowing you to do this. I don't care how old you are. That's great. I'd call out of work for that. But, um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm in. I like fun and games. You know, that's what we're all about. Fun and games, laughter, good times. We've been having a good time. It's been a good conversation, man. I I liked it. I like the Wu-Tang vibe. I like the energy. And uh, this last, I mean, we'll do one more. You want to do one more? Well, come on, man. We have to do a Florida story. Oh, a Florida story gets snuck in. All right, let's do it. We got a good one this time. 
Yeah, well, it's a good one. It's a sad one. It's a good one, but it just shows you how... uh, Drugs are bad, kids. How drugs are bad and and people are uh people are insane. Especially in Florida. And the ones that you love are insane too. <laughs> okay, this is about a seventeen year old Florida teen. Female. She stole her parents' ATM card and she took out almost fifteen hundred dollars. You wanna you wanna tell her what she spent um some of the money on? Well, first she went and got that good old cocaine. I think that I butchered that. Sorry, cocaine, maybe for my Latin That's friends, it. but cocaine for the people in America who don't speak Spanish. For my Ronnie Dangerfield, little Tuscarusky. Little bit right. sugar. That's it. Um, what she do? Yeah, she, she was so all she, hopped up, and she what she do? She went. She she well, had fourteen hundred left. So what she do? Well, I don't know if her parents grounded her or. You know, they didn't let her date a boyfriend. I don't know what it was. Took her Xbox away. Yeah, took her Xbox away. Who knows? She tried to use the rest of the $1,400 to get her parents killed. She gave one man $400 to kill her parents, but he obviously took her money and laughed. And so they weren't killed. So what does she do, ladies and gentlemen? DJ, please tell me what she does. Hey, I got 900 more. Let's ask somebody else to do it. She finds another guy to go do this. So at the same time as this is going on, she, she's, you know, she's out to 400. She's speeding along on a Coke. This The, the guy obviously robbed her. She goes to, get, to give the other 900 to someone else. He takes it. But at the same time, She's on social media, apparently, not at the exact same time, but as leading into this, I guess, writing stuff about how she hates her parents and she wishes that they were dead, and which is never a great idea, first of all, to go to social media for any kind of personal feelings, but because people exploit you. And what does her quote-unquote friend do? Ready? Well, um, tells on her. To who? She tells on her to a. I don't even. Wanna, I don't even. Wanna, um. I don't even want to say it was her friend. Well, the media she, said her friend. Um. She told one of her friends, but I think she confided in somebody. Well, um. They told who? Not a, not a regular cop, but a, what kind of cop? <laughs> Called a cop a trainee. Yep, a trainee. Uh, okay, uh, it, it was a trainee. She um, I forgot. I don't know. I forgot. I think it was like a. I don't know if it was a person in school. I don't know if it was a type of social worker. I don't know. Either way, it gets out, and you know, the police go and ask her boyfriend, and her boyfriend rats her out also instantly instantly he told the police that um you know, where she hangs out at and that she tried to get house some, he said she hangs yeah, out and tried to get somebody house. to kill her parents oh you know and it was it, it, the person that she told was like a, a lake county sheriff but i think it was like a sheriff's trainee or something like that 
Um, it, it was just, it was, it's such a bizarre story. And well, so you, the parents are pressing charges yeah. against this murderous vixen of a daughter. And, 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 and what's even more, what's even more insane about it is, so the first one, the first one, um, didn't go through. So she hired somebody else. So she just, she's telling everybody. And, and the reason why the first person didn't kill us, supposedly he got arrested. I think he got arrested or I don't know if he got arrested or he just took the money and left. I don't know what it is. Either way, you're nuts. You're bizarre. You're crazy. You're going to, you want somebody, you steal your parents' ATM card and you're going to pay $400 to get them killed. I don't know what meth head you were talking to. That's like, hey, sure, I'm going to risk everything for 400 bucks because, you know, this is a come up. Are you kidding me? Not that it would be, not that it would be correct for more amount of money, but you offered me four hundred dollars. So, you know, I, I don't know who you offered four hundred dollars. So obviously, they don't have a job because I'm pretty sure you make more money at McDonald's. I, obviously, she wasn't listening to episode one when we told everybody that the first mistake is talking to anybody else besides yourself. Exactly. Jeez. Episode one. Gosh, well. Thank you again, I mean, to the Lake County Sheriff's Department for bringing this one up, busting a criminal mastermind here. And uh, bravo again, Florida. Bravo to you. Bravo. Bravo. Um, maybe pray for you. Oh, gosh. Maybe pray you get another story for next week's episode of Another, another week. week. Another Week. Peace. Peace. Another Week. Another Week Podcast. Steve, are you ready? Another Week. Another Week. Another week, podcast, DJ, ready? Sweet!